Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. So I like to say if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, uh, then I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there all the time, at Cutting Room MRB. Uh, or you can like me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MMRB. Um, so it's Friday night. Uh, occasionally I like to slip in a bonus show, and uh, particularly when certain friends of mine come and ask me for a little bit of help. And uh, you know, to that end, I wanted to thank Leah Savoli, who is an actress and a, a crowdfunding manager and a whole bunch of other things. She's been a huge help to my show and a huge help to a lot of people. Uh, so she said, look, you know, I've got a couple of clients of mine that are getting towards the last few days of the crowdfunding campaign. Do you think you could, you know, squeak them in? So I said, sure, you know, nothing to do on a Friday night. So, you know, here we are. You know, I like to do this just once in a while to, uh, to stay sharp, as they say, right? So, um, so my guests tonight are John Farrell and Jake Sims, and just to give you some information on them, uh, these guys are two old friends who are working on a mini-series documentary-type format uh, about the lesser-known parts of the U.S. electoral process, uh, specifically with regards to the one that uh, the U.S. is involved in right now. Uh, everybody knows that this is one of the greatest shows on TV at this point between all the theatrics that are going on. Uh, but there's another part to the process that... that doesn't get as much press coverage as it probably should, and, and this is third-party candidates. Uh, so these guys have taken it upon themselves to ask themselves, you know, why aren't there more third-party candidates? Why does it always have to be a two-horse race? And to take a look at other parts of that process as well. Uh, to that extent, they, they've got this uh, four-part series that they're working on now, and it's on the crowdfunding trail called Third Candidate, and uh, they're here to talk about it tonight. So without further ado, the country floor proudly welcomes uh, for the first time, John Farrell and Jake Sims. How are you doing, guys? Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're doing great. So the first uh, question I usually have for everybody that's on here for the first time, guys, is a bit of an icebreaker. Uh, did, did I get your bio information right, or was that close enough for rock and roll, as I like to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty close. Uh, we first met each other probably, what, about 40 years ago? Yep. And we were uh, uh, traveling around. We had actually uh, both individually without knowing each other all, bought motorcycles in Vietnam and met each other while we were driving them in the country and decided that if we were going to die, we wanted uh, somebody to be able to notify our next of kin. Uh, and then we just sort of stayed in, we just sort of stayed in, in touch over the years. And uh, I was in Los Angeles in February and kind of watched, uh, you know, Trump win the nomination. And, and I have uh, sort of a family connection to Gary Johnson. And I was like, whoa, somebody I know is going to be is pulling double digits in a presidential election. Like, this is absolutely insane. Uh, and that the idea kind of evolved from there. Uh, I reached out to John, and uh, he was interested in the project as well. So I put my stuff in storage and moved to D.C., and we've been working on it since about June. Sounds all right. 
Now, do, do do either of you have a uh, do either of you have a film background, or is this the first project that you worked on like this? I don't have a film background. I I you know rather than learning to code in high school, I learned uh, Final Cut Pro. It was like the first year it came out, so I've had uh, editing in, in my background for quite some time. And my first job uh, in the professional world was uh, kind of as an editor at like a digital shop uh, where. We did a lot of things. It's called branded content now, but it didn't really have that name then because uh, this was a while ago. Uh, but it had been some years. I had done some editing projects from time to time in there, but it had been some years since I had tried to do anything uh, for money for this or doing anything as a project of, of the scale. So, And uh, I had actually had just graduated with my master's in biology when Jake gave me that call. Um, I've been working on some journalism pieces myself, trying to get into the science journalism world. Um, that's going pretty well, but he gave me a call, pitched the project. Uh, it sounded like a fine venture, so I said, yeah. So uh, I guess I'll throw the uh, the question out to both of you. You know, Maybe if you can both take a crack at this. Uh, what is the series about? Yeah. Uh, we started with the question of why is it so rare for uh, a third candidate to play a role in U.S. elections. Um, the last time it happened um, where someone picked up a significant portion of the, the popular vote was Ross Perot in 1992. Uh, and, you know, I like to say relatively informed. I, I wouldn't consider myself a political junkie before this. Um, and I had no clue. Um, so I, I thought it was an interesting path to go down and uh, especially given this election, my general thesis was Bernie and Trump were signs that, you know, different things are afoot, and I didn't think that was going to end with the general election. And so we wanted to look into that more. We kind of broke it down into mm-hmm. – we broke it down into four different pieces for the project just to sort of give it some structure. And so we're looking at the – the debate structure, how you get into a debate as a presidential candidate, uh, state ballot access, how as a third-party candidate, if you're not grandfathered into the state ballots, how do you organize and get on those, and what are some challenges that you face doing that? Then we just wanted to be on the trail so you can experience what it's like to be with a candidate. Um, uh, and then we all we have a, an episode plan where we'll sort of dovetail that in, and we'll really look at some of the structural pieces, which are kind of the fundamental things that that really uh, don't enable, in the U.S. at least, for third parties to emerge without some sort of big event. Yeah, and uh, I guess, you know, Jake nailed it pretty well. Just to add on, um, this is a really, really weird election cycle we're going through, you know. Um, they're the two most historically disliked candidates ever nominated uh, for major parties, and, you know, we're seeing this very frustrated American electorate uh, the party's kind of fracturing internally, and it takes this like almost slow meltdown of this two-party system in, the, in this election for a third party to even get like a glance on major media. So um, we're kind of attacking it from that angle. And, and I got to tell you, as a Canadian looking in on this, right? I'm, I, you know, this is fascinating stuff for us up here because, quite frankly, neither candidate is fundamentally appealing on certain levels, right? You know, they they've both got you know, major structural problems with their campaigns. So yeah. uh, I, I, I guess, you know, what option do you have? I mean, you know, are you, are you really choosing between the lesser of two evils at this point? 
Well, and I think that's that's one of the interesting things we, we really want to explore. This will be more towards the you know the the last part uh, of the series, but um, due to the way that our system is structured, a lot of Americans don't actually they tend to vote more around how they think other people around them are going to vote, uh, either because of just the way the electoral college works or the spoiler effect, some of these other notions where um, once you get to the ballot box, there's actually this, uh, this anomaly, it's not an anomaly, in polling, um, third candidates will poll less and less and less as they get closer to the elections because people start to uh, be like, they don't want to throw the election some way, way shape, or form. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really interesting. And there there isn't, a, people really don't think they have an outlet. Um, I, I'm starting to, to disagree with that a little bit more and more as, as I look at it. While understanding the realities of our system, I also am starting to just watching some of these folks do grassroots efforts up in New Hampshire and Maine and, uh, you know, some of the things we've seen. Uh, you know, I'm starting to, to understand why an underdog stays in the fight. And uh, yeah, I, I, I had to admit there was one little bit in your promo reel that kind of made me chuckle a little bit, and I'll, I'll tell you why. When you were both talking about how, you know, you both cited Ross Perot in, you know, 1991, 92, in that area, um, and how you were both basically toddlers when that happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, and I was, you know, looking at my graduate year of high school when that <laughs> happened, so I remember that really well. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I guess, you know, somebody else mentioned this to me, and I was talking to some of my, uh, my colleagues. Um, where would you put somebody like Ralph Nader in, in that mix? Um, well, it, you know, Ross Perot is a really interesting story, um, especially when you start talking about the debates. He had made the debates. Um, I think he went in with around 9% polling nationally, and he came out with 20. So, you know, four short hours of TV later, he doubled his polling, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then after that, uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates, who runs the debates, they changed their criteria. And uh, since then, a third-party candidate or independent candidate has not made the debate. Um, so to, to answer your question maybe about Ralph Nader specifically, um, he probably is the number one thing that most Americans point to in regards to being uh, how third candidates have like a detrimental impact mm -hmm. on the the elections uh, because they they will throw it one way or the other. Um, that's that's one way of looking at it. I, I I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I think another way of looking at it is um, if a third candidate or, or a third party is able to make enough noise in an election, ultimately their stances are going to get incorporated in some way, shape, or form because a large number of people can't be ignored. And that's been the more common history of third parties in the U.S. history. So, yes, the Republicans are actually the one and only third party that won an election and have stayed in, in you know, control or sort of in the, in the uh, they've stayed in the, the system. Um, but many others have, emerged and had their platforms adopted and morphed into the the other parties and we've taken on the, the issues that they've raised. So it regardless of a I'm, percentage that you get, like it's important. I think it's part of our system. 
Uh, I apologize for that, guys. I got dropped from my own show there for a second. I had an issue with the phone. No, no problem. Now, uh, one of the other things that, that you mentioned, uh, that you had a bit of a family connection there, uh, that you actually have access to, to Gary Johnson, is it? Uh, yeah, Gary Gary grew up as, as uh, Uncle Gary. So his so the best way to say it is his kids are my cousins. Um, so we wouldn't have any sort of, uh, as a team, I, I don't like to say that we have, like, exclusive access or anything. Um, we're just like any other media outlet. The campaign's there to win. Um, but it's uh, it's something that um, certainly is nice to be able to have some sort of familiarity with, with the subject that you're covering. Um, well, no, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's great that, you, that you, at least you have a, a warm lead in terms of being able to approach these people, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's helped open doors too because we, you know, we got some footage with Gary and that enabled us to uh, get the idea and the concept out there, which enabled us to talk to Joe Stein's team. So we were able to um, kind of follow her around during the DNC. Um, you know, we, they know that we're not there to, uh, I guess, blow up their spot or, mm -hmm. you know, they, they know that we're looking at it from a specific angle and, and they kind of appreciate that. Now, you guys mentioned that you were kind of approaching this in four different modules, and the first one being debates, right, which is a key component. I mean, you know, candidacies are, are made or broken based on the strength of one debate. Um, what kind of ground are you looking to cover with that specific chapter? Um, we're, we're really uh, focusing on the Commission on Presidential Debates. Uh, they have a pretty controversial history, and they also have a controversial criteria which uh, as we get closer, you'll probably hear more and more about the 15% uh, polling nationwide. Uh, you have to have that to get an invite. And um, we've spoken to a lot of critics. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, it's a lot bigger than you think, especially in this uh, system that's dominated by two parties. Um, and a lot of people see it as almost uh, anti-competitive and as a huge milestone placed for a reason to keep out competitive third parties. Um, so we really want to uh, address some of those criticisms, see where they're coming from, see their evidence and statistics, and also, you know, we've spoken with two co-chairs of the Commission on Presidential Debates, and we have their side of the story. So um, we're really just kind of trying to draw the curtain back, uh, show both sides of the story, and uh, kind of let the audience make their own decision, but we certainly have uh, some ideas of where things can change and uh, how this actually happens. Yeah, and and there's also just a there's a really interesting history around presidential debates in the United States. They're, they're not they're actually relatively new. Um, the first one was in 1960. There wasn't another one until '76, mm -hmm. um, and they've been a regular since '76. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's that's not not that long. No, and uh, the first televised one was, I think, between Kennedy and Nixon, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, and they've always been controversial. I mean, the, the CPD is kind of the, the latest in the long story of trying to arrange, get a bunch of different people to agree on ways that they want to get this done. I mean, yeah. in the 60s, you had people angling over uh, fair uh, or equal time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to put in perspective, there's two groups that have sponsored the, the, the debates. 
It's uh, the League of Women Voters and the Commission on Presidential Debates. And uh, the majority, maybe there's only been a couple of times where, they, where those groups have not been sued by someone at the end. So just to kind of give you an idea of how controversial this is. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even in, they say in, in like 87 and 88 when the commission took over more or less, um, they were one of six different ways that people were arguing over who should be in control of the debates. Who's the best suited to do this? Who's the best uh, organization to control the candidates, which is what a lot of this comes down to, and make sure that the two candidates or the major candidates meet and debate in front of the American public. Uh, I was just wondering if one of the things that you covered, uh, you know, one of the ongoing debates is, uh, you know, uh, regarding how to increase voter turnout, right? That this is something that's been on decline for the last several years. Um, is, is this something that you explore in terms of just simply getting more people out to vote? You know, it's certainly been a question that, as we've done more interviews, has been asked of us. Um, I think at the core, and our second episode hopefully gives a, a light tone to this, um, at the, one of the main goals of this project, I would hope, is that we peel back um, this sort of nebulous system, right, this massive mm -hmm. system that you can't do anything about. The actual reality is, is you can do quite a bit. Um, what we're showing with some of these third parties uh, getting on state ballots is that a small number of people can actually uh, impact a greater number um, with just a little bit of organization, getting feet on the ground and going out and doing the work. So, you know, is it something that we're going to dive into on an academic level? Probably not, but I hope at an a emotional level we're able to show um, change is feasible if you just know how to go about it. To add on to that, I think one of the one of my biggest takeaways uh, covering the state ballot access segment is that uh, when you step into the national or step in on voting day to vote for the president and your local government, uh, your, your vote means more when you vote for president than just who you think to be president. Uh, for example, in Maine, um, you know, the Libertarian Party right now has a temporary party status, and they can only maintain that if Gary Johnson gets 4% of the national vote. So even if you, you know, don't think Gary's going to win, a vote for him still matters on many state levels. But I think it's an important thing that a lot of voters don't know about. Yeah, I, I think Jill Stein, Dan Savage had a big argument against, like, Jill Stein and the Green Party for that. You know, drop out, you don't need to be president. Uh, and she has a response saying, well, no, there, there, there's actually there's state-level implications for me being in this race as well. Uh, what's the most surprising thing that you think that you've learned about the electoral process that you didn't know about it going in? That's a damn good question. That's a good question. Um, there's been a couple times where I've had my hair blown back. Uh, I think covering the Commission on Presidential Debates, um, really seeing their controversial story and background and how they operate today from different points of views has been really fantastically educational on how uh, politics is handled uh, in Washington. Um, I can't talk about that too much because it would be uh, spoilers, um, but I think that's definitely been uh, my favorite part so far. You know, I think one thing for me is that how much um, a lot of the individuals um, 
have wanted to talk, um, be it experts, be it whoever. Like, there's a lot of people who want to try and explain their position. Um, for a while, um, being kind of new to this position or being new to this, this situation, um, I had sort of I went through this little phase. It was, only, it was a short one. It was only like a, a day or two where I felt like I was being by everyone that we talked to sure. yeah. to sort of like tell their story. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, fortunately, John's dad has, has some experience in the being in, in the journalism world and, and the media world, so we were able to talk to him. He's like, no, that's good. If people are talking to you, I mean, no one's going to talk to you unless they think it's beneficial to talk to you. So if people are talking to you, it means that they think it's beneficial to talk to you. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, it's just up to you to sort through it all. So you guys have the crowdfunding campaign going. Um, how's that been going for you? I know that you have about five days left, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a big challenge. Uh, we've been on the road shooting and producing and editing while this is going on, So, I, which is something I do not recommend yeah, if, you, absolutely. if you have that option. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, it's just the nature of what we're covering and, and what we're trying to do. Like, there's no way around it. Um, and we're a team of two. So, um, But overall, I think it, it's actually been really rewarding because it really forced us to start to craft our message and really – focus and hone in on what we wanted to deliver for everybody. So even um, just the process of getting that up and set was really valuable to structuring our, our project from here on out. Um, in regards to the fundraising, we're on the closing days. Definitely need a little more support. You know, most of your money is always raised on the, the first and last week of it. So we're in crunch time. And, uh, you know, anyone listening, uh, thirdcandidates.com will redirect you to our crowdfunding page uh, and you can uh, help us out. Uh, we recently announced today a, a fun little partnership. If you yeah, are interested yeah. in, in political reform in any shape or form, we, we matched up with a Sam Stampede, um, which is a, a nonprofit organization started by Ben from Ben & Jerry's uh, where they sell stamps that you can stamp on dollar bills that, that say keep money out of politics. So we did a what a five 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 for five after five yeah. promotion. Yeah. So for the last five days, uh, every, anyone who chips in five dollars, uh, they'll be entered for a raffle, and every day we'll pick a person, and uh, that person, that winner, wins five stamps. Um, it was great to chat with the stamp stampede people. Uh, they were fantastic, and yeah, they, the whole thing right now is uh, getting money out of politics. So they're in a similar uh, mindset and. Uh, as we are. Uh, it just seems, there's three major pillars to, electo- to political reform, uh, as we've learned from uh, Doug Klopp from uh, Fairboat, who is a, a great organization that we've worked with a little bit. Uh, he basically says there's money, um, electoral access, and structural. So, you know, we, we teamed up with someone that's focused on the money side of it, mm-hmm. and we're looking at some of the structural sides of it. Working with someone who's uh, get, trying to get voters out, trying yeah. to make it easier and more appealing to vote. And, and you got to admit, guys, and I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, of course, but there's a certain irony that you got to understand, right, that, that uh, you know, running a crowdfunding campaign is kind of like, uh, you know, campaigning for office in and of itself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've had that, we've had that uh, <laughs> metaphor or comparison dropped on us a lot. And, 
it, retaking it, it, yeah, it's pretty funny. You're not the first to say that. You know, it's awesome. So, yeah, 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 yeah. so you've, you've had that uh, reality cramp, as my father would say, right? Oh, <laughs> no, man, you know what's amazing, though, is because we're, we're – I think I've signed up for, you know, six, seven different poli- you know, presidential campaign email lists. Yeah. Uh, we see a lot of their campaign emails, so we have a lot of templates to choose from when we send out our uh, our updates. <laughs> And uh, just because she's a mutual friend of ours, uh, how's Leah been helping out? It's been great. She really cracked the whip for us early on. Uh, it made sure that we we had the all the assets ready to go. We were explaining things properly, um, and she she keeps us honest. And she's been really helpful uh, making sure updates are still going out while we've been on the road. Also, just her wealth of experience has been incredibly valuable. Just shooting back and forth emails. You know, how should I word this? Um, what's the best way to go about communicating with our audience, that kind of stuff. She, she really knows her stuff there, and it's been very helpful. She, she, also, has, she also has perspectives that we don't have. Um, yeah. she, can, she can play the long game. You know, we start really on in the campaign, and you, you're sitting there, and you're doing all your updates every day, and, like, you know, two people are responding to them. It's your, your mom, like, hi, mom. you <laughs> liking this. Um, and then... Uh, you know, slowly but surely it builds up over time. And, you know, now we're able to do things like these partnerships and, and get a few more people to interview us and, um, you know, get more reactions. So, she gets, well, guys, she, what, guys, what can I tell you? Leader. This has been a lot. This has been a lot of fun, right? Uh, any closing thoughts from either one of you? Oh, man. Um, any closing thoughts? Wow, that's tough. Ah. I don't know. I'm just really excited to be a part of this. You know, um, I've always been, I grew up on punk rock, so I've always been like a Rage Against the Machine kind of kid. Um, so having this kind of altruistic uh, project to work on, kind of drawing back the curtain and just really informing people um, to empower them when they vote and whether they want to get out and hit the streets and canvas door to door and just be more active. I, I take a lot of value in that. And um, it's, it, and yeah, I just got a lot out of this project, and it's pretty inspiring to me. It's true. John does rock the bandana and was probably throwing up the most peace signs at the DNC with the Jill Stein. <laughs> with the Jill Stein rally, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I peeked out on that a Yeah, yeah, the neo peace out moment, right? Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I think uh, my parting thoughts are one: thank you very much for having us on. Um, oh yeah, it's absolutely. really great to talk about this. Um, and two. You know, to anyone who's listening with any sort of interest in this, um, you know, I think hopefully what we what we show in this piece is elections and politics happen well beyond just the, well, I guess the year-long effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there's stuff in the midterms. There's constant debates and, and politics happening in between things. So um, hopefully this shows some ways that. Um, inspires people to sort of act beyond just the, the presidential years when it's, you know, the most newsworthy event in the world. Mm-hmm. And the last question I have for you, make sure we get in one good solid plug for you here. Uh, where can people go to learn more to contribute to your campaign? Do you have any social media feeds set up? You already talked about the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, but, you know, let's get in a plug for that website again. But any other feeds that you want to promote for either your own sites or for this one? Uh, third candidates. It's uh, third candidates. Uh, pretty simple. www.thirdcandidates.com. Um, you put us in Facebook. You can find us very easily. Uh, same goes for Twitter. 
Snapchat, Instagram. I think we dipped into all of them. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, it, it, maybe it's why this uh, particular coverage area was, was underserved. We were able to get third <laughs> candidates on every single social media platform. So Facebook.com slash third candidates, Twitter.com slash third candidates. We were able to get third candidates as a YouTube channel name. Yep. Um, Snapchat, all that. So, well, third, you know, you're, remember you're, third you're lucky, <laughs> right? So uh, easy to remember, and you know, you got it all, you know, consolidated, which is great. So. Mhm. So anyway, thanks a lot, guys. This has been a lot of fun, and and certainly, if you want to come back for another follow up, and you know, let me know how you guys are making out, then I'd be happy to have you on anytime you like. All right. Totally. Sounds good, Casey, man. Okay, great. Okay, so we've been talking with John Farrell and Jake Sims. The project is called Third Candidate. You can look it up at thirdcandidate.com. It's going to be on crowdfunding for another few days. Uh, I'm going to be back on Sunday at my usual time at 2 o'clock. And again, with a big thank you to Leah Savoli. Uh, On behalf of my guests, John Farrell and Jake Sims, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Enjoy your weekend. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.